0: Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit C3SWWA.com. How many of you know heaven has come? Did you hear what I said? How many of you know heaven has come? There's like a few of you excited about that. Because we know hell has showed up, that's for sure. It's nice to know that heaven has come and it's accessible. And I stand around and I look in this room, church family. We're all here together, and I I know that for some of you, hell has shown up in your lifetime. Um, remind me, I'm spacing on the name, Alex. And we prayed for Alex a few weeks back. She ended up in a coma, unexpected, right after we had this young adult thing at our at our home. And we're like, she's a, she's what? She's in a coma? I think she won that night a, a gift or something. Like, how, how could she be in a coma? And so we prayed. And then miraculously, she woke up after they were concerned about all kinds of damage and no damage at all. And she's here in God's house. That's amazing. And in this lifetime, I mean, we battle through hell, but we experience heaven over and over. Amen. And it's one of the great things about being a part, part of a church family. Look around this room and we celebrate Good things, and there's moments where we celebrate challenging things, but I want you to be encouraged. This is this is not only the season, but this is the life where we lean forward into the good things that God has for us. And uh, you know, just before just looking around the room, I mean, it's great to celebrate birthdays. Brenton's about to have his 27th birthday coming up. It's great, right? What a what a good year, right? Again, you just. You, all i do is win, 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 win. It's awesome. And we, get, we celebrate this stuff with you. It's so good. Look back at Shane and Kim and launching Muscle Bar. Congratulations. That's so awesome, you guys. And I, I'm looking at a couple of parents who are watching their kids back there for Jocelyn, Jayden, running, running bosses in charge in the background there. Killing it. Come on. You have to give them a, a huge hand. It's great to be a part of God's family, but it's also awesome to be a part of a church family. I got to my house last night in the pitch black and there were like 25 women watching a Hallmark movie and I thought, what am I doing here? I didn't time this quite right, but so awesome to watch in the the mix of ages. I mean, just remarkable. I wanna pray over you tonight. Um, We're, real quick, we're we're gonna start a new series tonight. Don't forget, Wednesday night team night, we're in our pre-launch mode of the church. This week I picked out finishes for the bathroom carpets, ordered all that stuff, sinks and stuff for our new building, and uh, keep that keep us in prayer. We're pushing forward the next couple of weeks. Things are going to really ramp up, and we're excited about turn of the new year, looking at getting into our own building. So it's exciting. So we want to invite all of you to be here on Wednesday night. You might feel like, well, I'm not a part of the team. Get involved with the team. Join. We want you on our we want you on our team. Unlike the kickball. Team in in kindergarten, right? Also, um, you heard an announcement for this Christmas season. Don't buy something for your family that's just going to end up in the garage on a shelf. Give the gift of child sponsorship thirty-eight or 39, 30, thirty-eight dollars a month for a specific child. See Trisha. You can see the child's face. You can scan the QR code. You'll be able to look at the bio on the child. This is a institute where we go almost every year. We're we're. Brace yourself for this, 2022, uh, Corey and Jenny Mowry are going to be leading a special student-focused mission trip to Trigo E. Oaxaca this year. And the crazy part is, and Jenny will Jenny will tell you this, you will go down and if you adopt a child as a family, that child will write to you quarterly, you'll write back to them, and when we go this summer, you will stand there and you will meet that grateful family and that child will appreciate the daylights out of your lifelong friends out of that. Also, don't forget to sign up for dinner parties because we're going to celebrate Christmas. Not next Sunday night, I think that is. Is that next Sunday? As church families and smaller groups, people's homes, celebrating. Okay. New series. They're going to bring up that slide for me, and uh, we're talking about behind the lights in the Christmas story. There are so many main players. Of course, Jesus. We celebrate him, and Mary and Martha. We get to uh, we get to celebrate. Um, Steve, there's nothing on the screen up there that I can see. Maybe you can help me out with that. Um, In in the holiday season, there there certainly is Jesus in the manger, and there's cattle lowing. There's angels in the sky. And we celebrate all of that. And I look forward to our Christmas uh, online service. But there are also some not-so-primary characters who have great messages for us. And I want to talk to you about what happens behind the screen of the story behind the lights. If you want to follow along, you take a picture of the QR code and you'll be able to uh, take a look at our notes. Uh, The verse that we're going to go ahead and take a look at tonight is found in the book of Luke. It's out of the life of Zachariah. And an angel showed up and visited him before Jesus showed up, before John the Baptist showed up, who Zachariah is a dad, an angel showed up in the temple and told him, you are about to have a son. Zachariah was freaked out because he was an old man and his wife was an old lady. And he said, how, how could this be? He could hardly wrap his mind around it. And Luke 1.20, it says, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And so my message tonight is entitled... They'll bring it up on the screen. My message is entitled, because I can't remember. There we go, Navigating Unbelief. And I want to pray over you because if you're anything like me, you are challenged with unbelief. Now, I know we're a faith-filled church, amen? And I'm a faith-filled man, and you're a faith-filled person as well. But that doesn't mean that unbelief doesn't show up on our doorstep and try to work us over every time we need to believe God. And so I'm concerned that for some of you that when you experience a moment of unbelief, it backs you into a corner and works you over so that you are disgusted at who you are. I'm not a person that's filled with faith like I should be. You know what? I'm just, I'm not like Abby. When Abby prays, she's a woman of faith. I'm not like Pastor Rowena when she prays. I don't feel like that I'm a faith-filled person. I'm not sure if I believe at this moment. And it causes you to shrink back. And then the enemy gets you right where he wants you to back off the things that God is promising you. And so I want to help you to navigate unbelief because for the rest of your life, unbelief is going to knock at your door. And you know what that means? You've got a pulse. Faith-filled people experience unbelief. It shows up on their doorstop. Okay, hand over your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much this evening. God, for your goodness. We thank you for the message of Jesus, your son coming to earth, miraculously born of a virgin. Father, we thank you for this great gift to our lives, his sinless life sacrificed for our salvation. Lord, in tonight's message, God, help your people to understand That when unbelief comes knocking on the door, there are certain simple things that they can do to navigate forward and still be people of faith in this world that we live in that always wants to challenge our faith. And so, Father, I thank you for these good people. We ask you to bless this word to their hearts and to our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. You go ahead and give the Lord a hand. Grab your Bible, and we're going to go ahead and jump into the scripture. And uh, appreciate you guys as a team. Willow, I want to say phenomenal, Willow, rock, thank you for rocking the dress. You look beautiful tonight. But I I did want to say uh, beyond that, Um, when you prayed tonight, it just reminded me of that night down in San Diego where the Holy Spirit came on you almost uncontrollably. And God did that deep work within you. You carry still the residue of that. You will for the rest of your life. You are a woman who knows how to pray. You also live with another woman who knows how to pray. I'm not sure where, where she is, but uh, I just wanted to I wanted to say when you pray, I can feel the, the trembling that happens in the realm that needs to surrender the answer to that. So keep pushing forward. Don't back off. Life is going to be good. Keep pushing forward. We love you. We appreciate you. Give Will a, uh, just a, a big, big hand. And I, I could say that about so many of our students. Abby... Uh, every time she prays, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get saved tonight again. Just you know there's that deep, rich anointing. and I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what your age is. If you're sitting in this room, God can use you. Just give your life to him, surrender it to him, and you' you'll find uh, just the amazing uh, the amazing God who will just rock your world and then rock through your world. Um, I really want to emphasize tonight in this message. I feel like this is a message for, for us this, this, this week, In the months of November and December, typically, I do a little bit extra prayer, a little bit extra fasting. And in the process, I know we've been busy. We didn't do a November fast this year. But I personally am doing a December fast. And I just felt like uh, to take some time off of our values, our Intentionally Us series, to lean into some Christmas stories, but not just because it's Christmas, but because there's some uh, right here and right now things that God wants to help you and I with. And so this idea of unbelief popped out. And uh, navigating unbelief is a real issue that I think all of us deal with. Now, there are, they're going to bring up the next slide, there are three types of unbelievers. And I want you to see this in scripture, I want to help you to understand when we use the word unbeliever, it might mean something a little different than what you think. First type of unbeliever are those who lack a revelation of God that leads to a relationship with God. You know, we don't just wake up one day and say, oh, cool, I think I'm going to go find out who God is. The way this thing works is God shows up in your world and begins to draw you unexpectedly. Some of you didn't want to come to church, but you came with a spouse. You came with a friend. You're like, I just want to support them. And God, you were in his zip code, and he began to grab a hold of you and draw you into a relationship and reveal. That's what that word revelation means. You couldn't discover him, but he reveals himself. And he wants to do that in everyone's life, but an unbeliever can be speaking of a person who's just unaware. They are lacking that revelation. Again, I want to warn you, if you come here, you come hang out with us, whether it's in church or someplace else, God's got your number. He's going after you. And God uses all of us to do that in other people's lives. Now, because of that, a person who's yet to have a revelation of God and step into relationship They're actually unable to understand God's word. I remember as a kid growing up in church, my pastor would preach all the time, and to me it sounded like a completely different language, made no sense, had no attachment to my life. I was completely disinterested. And then the night when God showed up in my life, it's like every word that came out of his mouth was like gold. I was drinking it in. It made sense. I had tried to read the Bible before that moment, and it was like, ants crawling around on a page, like Jen was saying tonight. Old Testament, New Testament, just ants all over the place. Who can, who can figure this thing out? And yet the first night I went home, after I invited the Lord, I said yes to following Jesus. I opened up the Bible and it was like heaven was speaking to me clearly. That is what happens. But before that happens, you are an unbeliever because you're simply unaware But God has an appointment time in all of our lives where he shows up and he rings the doorbell and he says, it's me, come on, let me in, let me have your life. Now, you can also be an unbeliever and that would be someone who's unwilling. In other words, that moment of the doorbell ring happens and for most people, it'll happen more than one time. For me, it had to happen a couple of times over a couple of months for God to get my attention. And then when I can hear the doorbell, there still is a moment where I need to respond. And I've watched people at times, and this is a sad moment. I pray this is never you, but where people see the doorbell ring, but for a of reasons, they say, thank you, I gave at the office, goodbye, and they close the door. I, as a 19-year-old, I went with a group of guys. We went camping up to a, um, a lake, and we we're just all new believers. And so we pulled out a guitar, and we began to sing, Is one of the most powerful church services I have ever been in was in the woods with these five other guys. And in the process, we had invited one of these kids, and there that night, God touched him powerfully, and he was sobbing like like the weight of the world was being released off of his life. And it was an amazing thing. I knew his two older sisters. They were twins. Uh, They obviously was a bunch of guys camping, so they weren't with us. And I was so excited for them because of what God did in his life. But while we were packing away our camping gear that day, the next day, he said to me, Hey Steve, do me a favor, don't tell my sisters what happened here. And I was like, Dude, Wayne, why wouldn't you want? Why wouldn't you want them to know? He said, Yeah, I don't want them to know because I don't, I don't want them to expect anything to be different in my life. And what was really going on there was God showed up. He experienced God, but then he said, I don't want to participate. There's some great Bible verses that you can read. Matthew chapter 13 covers the parable of the seed, and you discover some people shut the door on God because they have more other interests that they don't want to give up, or or it could be that they just are overwhelmed with temptation, or they just, you know, there's numbers of reasons. I don't know what Wayne's reason was, but he shut the door, and so as an unbeliever, some people are unbelievers because they're unwilling to say yes to the, I don't know why, the invitation to the most amazing um, experience of walking with God in this lifetime. Now, there's also, and this, I really want to, let me say this about the very first one, the unaware. If you fall into that category, I invite you to step into the awareness into a relationship with God. If God has been ringing your doorbell, it's kind of like dating. He's trying to show you glimpses of who he is, but at some point, you got to say Yes but it's that easy. You just simply say yes. You won't have all the answers. You won't have all the knowledge, but saying yes opens the door to that revelation and to that relationship. Don't ever be the unwilling, but this third one, you will be in this category as long as you have a pulse. That is the unsure. Now, I don't use the word unbeliever there, especially because it's a situational unbelief. Anybody you've hit that spot, where you're like, okay, this is not good. God's word says there's something better, but I am unsure on how he's gonna pull off his promise in this situation. And what makes it even harder is you know people in your world that they share, oh, God did a miracle for me, and you're like, great, that's great that God's doing miracles for you, but that's because you're special and I'm not, and God's probably, I don't just don't see how God's gonna pull that off in my life. You ever been there? You ever felt like that? Sometimes other people's miracles and God fulfilling His word in their life can actually cause us to even feel less confident about God working on our behalf, especially as time goes by. But this, I do want you to know about this particular area. This is something you're going to experience your entire life, but God does not struggle with the fact that you struggle at times to see clearly at how He's going to do the thing that He's promised. God's not all freaked out like, oh, Pastor Rowena's not sure how I'm gonna do this. Oh, I'm not gonna be talking to her for a while. God's not, God doesn't respond that way. In fact, every great person of faith that you read through scripture, with the exception of Jesus, every great person of faith had the battle of their life in key times, in moments where they needed faith. That's the reality. And when you look at Mark chapter 9, verse 23, you'll discover that you're in great company. Um, Jesus was talking with someone who was struggling to believe. And and Jesus uh, says to him, listen, I'll do for those who believe. And the man says, I believe. Can you help my unbelief? And God says yes and immediately heals his son. The man's struggling to believe he's unsure, and yet God responds to his unsurety. And that's not just people in the crowd, but as you look at even the disciples. There was a disciple who's famous for doubting God, and yet he was still one of the 12 disciples. Anybody here, you think you qualify for that team? Um, If you are unsure at times, yes, you do. Because when you look at Thomas, Thomas actually says in the book of John chapter 20... uh, the disciples are saying, hey, we've seen the Lord. This is after the resurrection. And, and Thomas says to them, unless I see his hands and place my hand into his side where they put the spear, I'm not going to ever believe. i got to see it with my eyes. And then later on, Jesus, a few minutes later, shows up and says to Thomas, hey, come over here. Put your finger here. See my hands. and Put, the, put your finger into my hands. Do not disbelieve, but believe. There's a process that God wants to help you to step into confidence and in faith. God is wanting to help you work through those moments. And Zachariah, as we started off, Zachariah is a man who has served God his entire life. He's a priest, one of the few that are allowed to go into the temple and to step behind the curtain and to, uh, to light incense, to offer showbread, to actually do priestly work. He's a man who is struggling to believe what the angel is saying. But I want to remind you, God still sent an angel to this man. See, the enemy wants to back you into a corner that the moment you begin to struggle with believing him for that thing he's promised or that thing that needs to be done or that thing that's yet to happen that you, you've, you believe that God was going to do, the enemy wants to back you into a corner That moment you have your Zachariah moment, you're struggling to see how this will happen in your life to cause you to bow down, back down, and get into a cycle where you stop participating in the navigation through the unbelief. Because that's how this thing works. Unbelief will show up on your doorstep, ring your doorbell, and when it does, there is a way to navigate through it, but you have to lean forward and navigate through it. You track it with me? So I want to take you a little bit on that journey. Zachariah's struggling because so much time has passed. As a young man, I'm sure he wanted to have children. And through the years, I'm sure they tried. And we don't know all the details, but maybe there was no opportunity. Maybe there there were miscarriages. We don't know what the situation was. But now as an older man who's too old to have children and his wife who's older, you know, that really begins to create this moment of, Unsurety, God, how could we even have kids? It's probably something in your life where you're like, God, it just seems impossible that you would be able to do that. I don't have the connections. I don't have the resources. I don't have the know-how. I don't have the talent. But yet you know that God's Word says that should be in your life. Or you know deep down in that, as Jordan says, as a good father who wants the best for his child, the God of heaven... Wants this for your life, and yet your track record—it's been so long that you've been praying this way that you can't. It's hard to see how this would play out. He and his wife were past those child-bearing years, and it's just like our lives. Everything in this world is going to attempt to drive you to a position of unbelief, but unbelief is not a destination. It has to be an intersection that you are willing to navigate through. And this is what I want to call, to call you to right now in your life, but right now or tomorrow, anytime you end up in this intersection, I want to invite you when unbelief shows up on your doorstep, rings your doorbell, that you lean forward and prepare to navigate through it so that you can experience the thing that God is promising. Um, i got a quote here for you. Next slide. Faith is not the absence of unbelief. Faith is navigating in the direction of God's word in spite of unbelief. You with me? I want you to repeat this with me. Let's read this out together. Faith is not the absence of unbelief. Faith is navigating in the direction of God's word in spite of unbelief. Every time I need to summon faith, you know why I need to summon faith? Because it seems like that won't work out. Faith is what follows unbelief. Unbelief is common to faith-filled people. And so I want to give you just a couple of simple tips. I don't have these for the screen, but next slide, navigating unbelief. I just want to give you a couple tips. So you have to write these down. You have to look up the notes. I just want to, want to help you out. Number one, do not be discouraged when unbelief shows up. We stop We stop feeling shame and like a second-class citizen, and I'm not the Christian I should be because I'm feeling unbelief. You know, I had this similar struggle as a new believer. You know, as a new believer, the moment I got saved, there were external things in my life that fell off immediately. I um, (laughs) I stopped doing a lot of stuff. It just fell off. It no longer was interesting to me. But I thought early on that meant... I was like Superman, oblivious to temptation. I mean, temptation couldn't touch me. Like, I'm a, I love God so much. There's a force field around me. And I remember about two weeks into being a Christian where I experienced temptation. And you want to know the, see, the really weird thing about temptation? Temptation is, this is profound, Tempting. When you read about Jesus being tempted, the Bible says he suffered when tempted. Some of us, we picture Jesus like Wonder Woman with the the magic bracelets. Bullets are just easily being fended off. Jesus didn't do that with temptation. When temptation truly knocked on his door, he suffered under it. That means it was appealing. It was attractive. He was having a way in his mind. And then he was having to lean forward. But that meant, again, he had a pulse. And similar to struggling, uh, this is what I'll say about back then, I felt like such a failure because I was tempted. I thought I was a Christian. I thought I loved God. How could I really love God and be tempted? I'm such a loser. I bet no other Christians are ever tempted. I should just give up and quit because I, apparently I didn't really become a Christian. I must not even be saved I need to get to church when when this is a real thing that happens within us. So what I'm trying to communicate to you is unbelief is the similar cousin to temptation. It's that moment where you know you should believe this. You can see it written in God's word. And the fact that when this thing shows up, we don't become discouraged. That is part of life. Again, just means you got a pulse. Amen? Come on, I'm going to ask you to help me out. Amen? reach over to the person next to you, check and make sure they're alive. They might have slipped into a post-Thanksgiving tryptophan issue. Come on. It means you have a pulse. In fact, you should get excited when your circumstance looks impossible because God doesn't show up unless it's an impossible situation. You don't need a miracle unless you need a miracle. It's got to look impossible for God to show up. And when that moment shows up, instead of saying, oh, what's wrong with me? You should lean forward and say, oh, this is like a magnet to all of heaven. I can expect God to show up in this situation because it looks impossible. Amen? Okay, let me give you the second thing. This is what I do for me. I have a declaration, and it goes like this. I will believe God no matter how things look or how things feel. And I have to say it over and over and over and over and over again. It's like a mantra. If I'm going to get a tattoo at some point, if I, once I overcome my fear of needles, this would probably would be what I would put across my chest, my arm, you know, or my maybe I'll do the face thing. I'm not sure. Some of those look pretty cool. Thinking about doing that. I will believe God no matter how things look or feel. That means things look bad. That means things feel bad. Unbelief is much more of a feeling than a reality. And when you have a strong feeling, you've got to overcome that. And I remind myself, I will believe God no matter how things look or how I feel. And those feelings don't go away just because I say that. But I am informing myself that as this situation looks a certain way, I don't care how it looks, I don't care how I feel, I'm going to believe God's word. Because there's going to be all these whispers saying this isn't going to work out. God's not going to fulfill his word. Oh, you're going to give, but you're going to run out of money. Oh, you're going to serve, and no one's going to appreciate it. Oh, you're going to share that story with a friend who doesn't love God, and you know what? It's not going to make a difference at all. Or you're going to work really hard to, to forgive that person, and then they're just going to trample you again. And so there's these things that want that want to keep us from leaning forward, but we say, I'm going to believe God no matter how things look or how things feel. Okay. Number three for me is during that season, I grab Bible stories, verses, testimonies, sermons that speak to my situation, and I read them, and I reread them again, and I reread them again, and I reread them again. If you don't read the Word of God on a daily basis, listen, that's, that's who we are as a church family. We love the Word of God. We read the Word of God. Yes, there's history. Yes, there are facts and details. But we are asking God to breathe life into us, and His Word is supernatural. And over time, as you read the Bible, there's going to be these reoccurring themes, wait for it, that God does miraculous stuff still today. And since you need a miracle, you'll begin to assemble some of those stories. And when you're going through a difficult time, you want to read those verses. Now, I read the Bible from beginning to end every year. I sign up for a reading plan. But when I'm experiencing unbelief, sometimes I push pause on my reading plan and say, okay, where was that story where Jesus spoke to the storm, because I got a storm brewing right now, and I need, because what I see doesn't look good, and how I feel doesn't feel great, so I'm going to read this again, and I watch Jesus stand up on the bow of the boat and say, peace, be still, and every time I read it, it's like, that's what God's word says, that's what God's word says, that's what God's word says, and so we, we, we inform ourselves, and then I read it out loud to inform my situation, hey, storm, God's showing up. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what you look like. Yeah, you're big, you're bad and all that, but you will be silent when he speaks, amen? So lock into the word of God. Okay, um, and by the way, Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 through 11 says the way that we overcome our enemy because he's a liar, you know that your situation is his lie? Do you know your feelings are his, the main frequency he speaks lies to your world? I feel like a loser. I feel like no one likes me. Pastor Rowena, she's so stuck up, she didn't say hi to me when I walked past her tonight. She hates me, and I hate her. (laughs) Do you know that your feelings are the biggest point of traction for the enemy? I am telling you, if I hear one more time, I just feel like God. No, you just feel like the devil. That's what I want want you to know. That most of your feelings are the, the, the playground of the enemy. Your obedience brings about the feelings that come from God. Amen? Amen? And so, I don't, that's free, okay. But it goes, on to say, it goes on to say that they overcame the enemy by the word of their testimony. Amen? And so it's us declaring the promises of God over our life. So get those Bible stories. Get those verses. Get those testimonies. I know for me, when I need, a, I need to be encouraged, uh, which is every week. Unbelief shows up at about five minutes after I get home tonight. Right now I'm good. I'm believing for you, I'm believing for me. And I get home, I'm like, oh dang, you know, because I start thinking about the one person who wasn't here. And they probably are mad at me. They probably don't love Jesus anymore. They're probably robbing banks. I'm gonna have to visit them in prison on Monday. You know, does your mind work like mine? Well, probably probably that's extreme, but it's probably works similar to mine. Okay. So, so what, what I do uh, with that is on a Monday, I jump on our. our we're, we love Awakened Church, Pastor Jurgen and Liam Metesius, And on Monday, they usually have about 10 speakers at their church, well, a faith filled church. And I listen to every single one of their messages every single week. I'm driving around in my car because I could listen to the news. And that's like being shot with a rock salt gun in the face. I need about five minutes of news, and I need about five hours of Awakened Church preaching. Because it takes five minutes to figure out how bad things are and then about five hours to encourage myself that we can make it through it, right? So stop doing five hours of news and five minutes of the Bible. Start doing five hours of some good preaching and teaching and overcome overcome the enemy with the word of God in your testament, okay? Uh, I'm I'm winding up here, all right? Um, Get into atmospheres of faith and around people of faith regularly. Listen, there's just something powerful that happens when we gather together. We come into a room, we begin to pray together, when we engage in that, an atmosphere of faith is created. You can create an atmosphere of faith in your in your in your house. I mean, I like a little how was that? Did you like that? I'm gonna do karaoke later. I'll probably win uh, in our competition. But um, you know, ACDC does not create an atmosphere of faith for me. Although I will stand up out in the woods on a log and dance to that. Okay, but something about kicking on some, some some anointed worship music and just begin with my mouth out loud saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Come on, just for a second. Say it with me. Lord, I love you. I want to hear you say it out loud. Look at the person next to you and say, Lord, I love you. Lord, you are good. Come on, do, do, do this with me. Lord, you are good. God, you are awesome in this place. God, you could do the miraculous. God, you could do the miraculous for me. You could do the miraculous for them. Come on, use your own, just say something different. Say something. (laughs) Create an atmosphere of faith. I can't be there on a Monday to help you create it. I'm trying to teach you how to do it right now. The Bible says God does what? He inhabits the praises of his people. You know what inhabit means? She she laughs at all my jokes. God inhabits the praises of his people. It's like God comes down into your house when you invite him. How do you invite him? With your praises. Come on, out loud right now. Give God a, give God a couple, couple syllables of praise. God, I love you. God, thank you. God, I worship you. God, you've been good to me. God, you have given me food tonight. I thank you for the, for the, for the hairdo that I have. It's good. I'm proud of it. I'm the only person on the planet with this. It's distinctive. Amen. You can create an atmosphere of faith for yourself. But when we come together, we create an atmosphere of faith that is probably a few notches up above what you can experience and create. And here's the thing is, when somebody's discouraged and they walk in, they experience that. That's why we gather. That's why we come together for that atmosphere of faith. So get into atmospheres of faith. Be in church as we gather. Be in our team night as we gather. But create your own atmosphere because, again, Monday shows up, driving to work, try kicking on a worship album instead of listening to you know, the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm not saying there's not some interesting stuff in that podcast. It's the number one podcast. There's some interesting language for sure. I mean, you will... Anyways, let me move on. That wasn't an endorsement. That was just mentioning life, okay? Okay. Um, next, the worship team is going to come. Prophesy life to your situation. Some of you gotta got to get a little... I just want to invite you to be bolder. Some of you are so polite how you pray. You're so polite that if you were asking for something in a store, no one would ever respond and help you. Do you know what I'm talking about? In the store of God's provision, you're over in the corner, and it almost doesn't get anybody's attention. For those of you who work in customer service, you know who gets your attention? The person who walks up to the counter and says, hey, I need some help here. But that person who's nice and sweet over in the corner, they could need a million things, but they're in the back (laughs) there. You know, you and I need to speak to our situation with authority. I was so fortunate. I was down in uh, Portland a couple weeks ago and speaking on a Sunday morning at Pastor Seth and Karen's Church, C3 Northeast Portland, and I was talking about prayer, and I was challenging people to pray with authority, and there's this beautiful couple that responded in the altar call, and I was really checked. I had an altar call for people who needed to step into faith as they pray, but also had a prayer request, and since it was a husband and a wife who responded, I was about to pray for them, but then I just felt like the Lord said, pause, ask him to pray for her, and ask her to pray for him. And so I asked him, are you both believers? Yes. I said, okay, do you guys ever pray for one another? And they kind of sheepishly said, uh, not, no. And I was like, okay, listen, just no shame. I want to encourage you. You want to see God do the miraculous in your life. You guys are partnered together. You're the, you're Batman and Robin. I don't know what you want to use Batman, but you know. You got to lean in and you're a team. I said, okay, I want you to pray a prayer of faith over, because they both needed a physical touch in their body. I said, I want you to pray a prayer of faith over him or over her, and then I want you to pray a prayer of faith over him. And no kidding, this is, this is how he prayed. And I'm not being critical, because if I called on some of you to do this, you would probably do the same thing. Um, Lord, thank you for this day. I pray um, as you're busy running the entire universe, if it be your will, if you would maybe come and help my wife work through her health issues. And it's all done praying. And I, I was like, oh, she went ahead and prayed. And she prayed, Lord, I thank you for my husband. God, uh, we, we we need your help. So if you're able, I pray that you, and it was that kind of prayer. And I listened to it, and I was like, wow. It would be the similar if Jesus in the boat, wind in the waves, oh, Father, as you know, I'm your son, and if you're still paying attention down here on earth, me and your 12 disciples, the boat's getting swamped, and water's really high, rain's coming down, and maybe it's your will for us to die. Maybe we can glorify you in death, or maybe we can glorify you in suffering. Maybe some of us die and some of us live. Or maybe we all really struggle to the shore and maybe it's then and there that we find in the greatest depths. It's that kind of prayer. And I told the couple, I said, I want you to go home and I would never want you to ever pray that way again. I want you to lean forward and inform the sickness that lives in your wife's body to get the blank out. Don't use the word blank. Use Jesus' name, but you need to be about that irritated. You need to stand up and be righteously indignant that the enemy is establishing territory in your wife's body. And I said, mark this down, this is no real shock. Both of you are dealing with mystery illnesses together. You need to stand up and know that it's the heart of God God's word is true. It doesn't matter what my situation looks like. It doesn't matter how I feel. I need to inform my situation, the will of God. I speak over my wife. She is a woman of God. Your hand is upon her. You've sent your son to die for her. The will of God is for her to live, to thrive, to impact this world. She cannot do that as a sick person. So in Jesus' name, be healed. That's how you need to pray. And I don't know if they've gone home to pray like that. But I'm going to tell you what. My wife's sick. That's how we're going to be praying. Stand with me. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at C3SWWA.com.